And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, and uh, in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of April, and uh, if you're doing the right thing, uh, you are, y'all are in lockdown slash quarantine right now. Uh, I know I am for the most part. Um... And so, given the current situation, as the folks on the news have been calling it, uh, we have a special event going on here at the show. Uh, Kyle, you want to tell the folks at home what we're calling it? Yeah, this is uh, Stay the Fuck Inside Month. Uh, We decided to find films that we are... Uh, they're trying to tell you either to stay inside or people are forced to stay in one location. uh, And we're having pretty... I think we're having a good time with this so far. We're going to wrap up the month with a pretty fun one, I'm hoping. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but this was a mutual catching up for both of us. Um, this was uh, your your narrowed down, more or less, my pick, I would say. It's kind of yeah, what happens when we get to the ones that we haven't... Both of us haven't seen. Yeah, you, it was technically my pick, but I, I'm kind of squirrely with my picks. Um, it speaks to my personality, but I, basically I gave Kyle a choice of like three, and this four. was the one that he... <laughs> four. Okay. Yeah, four. I, kept, I kept slipping in extra ones towards the end there, but I gave Kyle a choice of, of several movies that I had in mind that fit the theme, um, that being Isolation, um, and uh, Kyle picked Doomsday uh, from 2008, directed by Neil Marshall, um, largely on the strength of the trailer, correct? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Neil Marshall is a a f- friend of the show. Yeah, <laughs> um, so. we, we've done exactly uh, one other movie in his filmography on the show. Uh, that would be Dog Soldiers, um, which we both had a lot of fun with. It's mm-hmm. it's a quaint little werewolf action movie. It has a lot of similarities to like Aliens and whatnot. And uh, Doomsday came out later in his filmography in two thousand eight, probably like two three movies down the line. Um, in between that, he had made The Descent. Uh, so this is kind of like his his big mainstream Hollywood movie, or at least by his standards anyway. Um, and it shows, because you can tell he's working with a decent budget, um, pretty solid cast for the most part, although none of them are household names, sadly. Mm, um, but yeah. you can tell this was like his, it was supposed to be like his big project. He both wrote and directed this. Um, it has a lot of subject matters and, and locations in particular that apparently strike very close to home for him. Uh, so this was like his his big at bat, um, and since then it seems like things have been trending downward. Although that is arguable, because uh, I think you and I had talked before we started recording. Uh, this man uh, is actually a prolific television director in yeah. recent years. Um, he even did a couple of award-winning episodes at Game of Thrones. Um, Which is so he's something. been working. However, some of his most recent output has included uh, the David Harbour Hellboy film. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not gotten good reviews. Yeah, uh, both Kyle and I very much enjoy David Harbour. We think he's a very solid actor, and mm-hmm. we both like the Hellboy movies um, before this latest iteration. But man, uh, all the news about it, all the reviews have been just awful. 
Um, which makes me sad because watching movies like this and Dog Soldiers like really makes me think that Neil Marshall is a pretty talented director. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe not in recent years. He needs to find his his stride, I guess. Um, but yeah, Kyle, do uh, you want to give us a, a rundown of the of the plot here? Yeah, so the Raccoon Corporation has... Oh, sorry, wrong franchise. Uh, we have... Uh, so Bill Nighy and his clan of, were- of werewolves and nope, vampires. That, I mean... That's the wrong one. Um, so yeah, uh, virus has somehow gotten out. It's unclear as to where it came from, from what I can gather, or the government created this virus. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but basically, it spreads in Glasgow, uh, Scotland, and the... Um, I guess the UK, uh, completely seal off Scotland, from what I can gather, completely seal it off and quarantine the whole area. But wouldn't you know it, um, there's some people that have actually survived this quarantine. They were all supposed to die from this, uh, but a few have survived. So they send in uh, Alice, oh, they send in Eden to uh, to uh, go find a survivor so they can find a cure. Apparently there's a doctor. So this is actually where I'm confused because they are... Like we need you to find this doctor and get the cure, but we need you to get uh, uh, somebody who's alive and bring them back. So which one was it? I think the main objective was to find an actual cure. Okay. Um, however, however, you know they can reverse engineer one supposedly using the blood from from somebody who's developed immunity mm-hmm. uh, to the to the Reaper virus. <laughs> um, uh, that's that's a very uh, movie name for a virus, by the way. I don't I don't think people would feel comfortable like news anchors saying Reaper virus on the fucking news. <laughs> uh, that would be a little racy. Um, this is actually a lot of this was shot in South Africa, uh, from what I read, and I think there was a little bit of Scotland here and there, maybe some 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 UK stuff. But yeah, I think largely it was filmed in South Africa. Um, do you think he's seen Mad Max at all? The Road Warrior, just you know, Kyle. Maybe that's debatable. I will. F- I might have to fight you on that. But <laughs> Dude, the guy who plays Soul, this is—he is the most manic. It's the most manic uh, performance I think I've ever seen in a movie. He is screaming constantly, the whole time. Every time he is on screen, he is screaming at the top of his lungs, especially at the end. There's actually a sequence where he is ah ah because ah, they have different camera angles of him all on top of a car just screaming. It's insane. Oh yeah, no, it's a very energetic performance. It kind of like it's almost exhausting to watch at it times, is. especially when he's like up on the stage and like putting on a big show. It's like my God, that man did all the cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know? But yeah, uh, this movie is headlined by Rona Mitra, um, who. I first saw in Hollow Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, very memorable performance. <laughs> like one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Um, if, very famously, beginning of her career, as far as I know, she was like one of the Laura Croft models at like trade shows and whatnot or in advertisements. Yeah, she looks like um, a model. <laughs> um, I just think it's funny that, um, if in case you're not aware, Kyle... Kyle was uh, teasing the fact that this this film in particular bears a lot of resemblance to the Resident Evil franchise, mm-hmm. um, and I even alluded to the fact that it's like it also seems to bear some resemblance to the Underworld franchise, which in in turn bears a strong resemblance to the Resident Evil franchise. Yeah. But it's just funny watching Rona Mitra in this role, which basically is the Alice role from the Resident Evil movies, the Mila Jovovich role, um, and then 
as far as I recall, she was in one of the Underworld yeah, movies. So it's she like, was. I mean, that's predictable casting. <laughs> like, it was only a matter of time. Like, whoever was doing the casting for both of those franchises were like, so when are we going to get her in here? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like, when's it going to be? Sequel number three, four, five? It's got to happen. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the cast is rounded out by a bunch of uh, UK actors that are. Not especially well known to me. However, there's a couple of old veterans in here yeah. that I was very happy to see. Yeah, this is the weirdest assortment of actors I think I've seen. Uh, we have Rona Mitra, and then we have Bob Hoskins somehow. I was concerned that this was his last film, but he didn't pass away until like 2014. Um, Malcolm McDowell, he comes in for five minutes, and then uh, the guy who plays the Prime Minister is Alexander Siddig. I haven't seen any of his movies, but I do remember him from Game of Thrones. Uh, he um, He's in a few episodes. Uh, I won't tell you about his character because he's kind of important plot points. Um, <laughs> and then the guy from The Departed. <laughs> that's, that's... The, yeah, the guy from The Departed. <laughs> Just the guy from The Departed, that's all. Uh, his name is David O'Hara. I can't claim to have known that before I looked it up. Um, but he's he's the guy that has the weird scratchy voice in The Departed. Yeah. Uh, citizenship. <laughs> Citizens. Citizens. <laughs> he's that guy. Um, f- side note, uh, Alexander Siddig, who you said was in uh, The Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and uh, plays the PM in this movie. The whole time I was looking at him in this movie, I was like, he's like British Nick Stahl. <laughs> like, as in like Terminator 3 John Connor yeah like is, is like are we still on like a manhunt for Nick Stahl because I feel like nobody knows what happened to that man I, I don't I I have no idea if he's even doing anything I mean anymore. I don't care Kyle you don't need to look it up well, I'm it's looking just, it up it's just he had like a couple minutes there he had his Sin City and his Terminator 3 and then he just bamped the fuck out of there <laughs> yeah um, he never really made an impression on me, but yeah, just the construction of his face made me think of this guy. Oh yeah, he was yeah, uh, Sin City. That's I was the he was yeah. the yellow guy. He was the yellow guy. Ew, that Gosh. yellow bastard. Yeah, yeah, it's that's <laughs> not what you want to be. Oh, he's in Bully too. I've seen pieces of that movie. I haven't watched the whole thing. It felt like a Harmony Korine movie, but I don't think it is. No, it's a Larry Clark movie. Which is getting close because Harmony Corinne, I believe, wrote Kids and uh, Larry Clark directed it. So, yeah. Gotcha. Getting close. Well, that, that's all we need about Nick Stahl. Yeah. Um, so, we should probably get to the movie, yeah? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sure. Uh, so, the movie opens with, uh, I mean, if you have Malcolm McDowell in your cast, you got to get you got to get him doing some narration or mm-hmm. just some kind of voiceover because the man has an amazing speaking voice. Uh, he has a very particular delivery, and sure enough, he does most of the narration in this movie. Uh, it's only a few instances here and there, but he's he's our introduction to the movie. And uh, it's just a pretty grisly footage of mm-hmm. viral infection. I mean, it's it's clearly staged for the film, but it needs to be said, all the, all the shots we have of people, like infected people in this movie, suffering from this Reaper virus, holy shit. Like, yeah, we were, this is nasty. We were still using practical effects at this point. Uh, I think this we were about to get into like the CGI blood like we did with Rambo. Uh, but yeah, pretty much, I say like 90% of the blood and gore in this is, is practical effects. Yeah, uh, that's high praise too because that, that's an important thing to point out because this came out the same year as Rambo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's 
like no surprise to anyone that CGI blood is usually implemented for logistical purposes because rigging squibs and like having a pyrotechnics guy on set that's that costs money and setting up those shots is technical Uh, there's a lot of trial and error that could potentially go into it but if you do everything in post uh, you can have a lot more fuckery on the set and, Mm -hmm. and play a little bit more fast and loose with your choreography um so that's a credit to the director for deciding to stick with the very practical and very squishy gore, um, mm-hmm. which is it's probably the high point of this movie. It uh, is. is all it the is. squishy gore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like we get all this footage of people suffering from this Reaper virus, and like they have, they have all sorts of open sores all over their body. They're puking. It's nasty. And it's Malcolm McDowell's like droning on and on about viruses and epidemics and Michael, Michael Myers and all that he, business. I say, I think my, uh, Malcolm McDowell is actually property of Rob Zombie now. I, I think he's, oh, yeah. he's owned <laughs> by him. Yeah, I don't um, know if he's in that three from hell, but I would not be surprised. Uh, yeah, I haven't bothered to check, but I would not be surprised at all. Um, it's funny, too, because uh, in, in a similar vein to Rob Zombie, I... I'd never heard of this until I did a, like five minutes of research about this movie, but um, apparently there's a group of directors referred to um, by critics as the Splat Pack. Um, as far as I know, that uh, that term is probably defunct by now. Um, we've moved on from the Splat era. We're, we're into elevated horror now. Elevated, yeah. <laughs> And most of the, the Splat Pack directors uh, came to prominence in, in the 2000s, um, so we're as far as I can tell, most of them are past their prime, at least in the eyes of critics and whatnot. Um, Rob Zombie's uh, included in that group. He and Neil Marshall both. But uh, the fonts used here in the opening are like definitely the, the John Carpenter font. Mm. Um, and you can tell that uh, this is a movie that bears its influences on sleep. And uh, I don't really have a problem with that. I think that's kind of neat because, like you said, uh, clearly Neil Marshall has seen Mad Max. Um, clearly, he has seen Escape from New York, uh, which, in some ways, I think this movie bears the most resemblance to, at least in the early stages. Um, but yeah, they even bothered to use John Carpenter's font, <laughs> which, man, it gets used a lot these days. I think it. I think they used it in Uncut Gems also, didn't they? Um, and a very similar one uh, in Color Out of Space also. So, like, everybody's biting off John Carpenter. <laughs> like I said, that's a, that's a subtle way to pay om, om, homage, is just to use the font. Yeah, the font and uh, just the style of music, that thrumming synth. Um, mm-hmm. You see you see that in a lot of contemporary movies these days. Um, but, yeah, uh, we cut to the Scottish border, and uh, we get to see a scene of chaos uh, the reaper virus is tearing through scotland and uh basically we see a massive roadblock um, with military guys posted up wearing gas masks and stuff and it's just like cars piled up on each other and people trying to flee glasgow in the in the night um and this this was kind of an interesting scene a lot a lot happens very quickly here kyle and you you want to point out some of the highlights here yeah so we've got the we've got the virus in scotland they've been quarantined and we got some people like trying to get out of there and um a dude who's just he is infected bad uh he just kind of pops up in the middle like whoa whoa six feet dude get the fuck away (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh dude this this 
this uh, this army dude just like uh uh-uh, uh, and he just fucking starts mowing them down, and he starts mowing down people who are not sick. So you can tell that tensions are high. Um, but we have a mom and a, and a little girl, and I'm like, that's the same complexion as uh, as Rona Mitra. That's Rona Mitra, I'm guessing. It is. Uh, the whole <laughs> this whole sequence is just her trying to get her daughter to safety, and we're seeing like the breakdown of society. And they say it over the the, the narration. It's like society has crumbled, and everybody it's just gone to shit. Um, <laughs> which I don't know if it would go this quickly because we're actually in not not there's not panic like with this kind of a virus i don't know if we would if do you think we would respond the same way see i think the the major difference and actually the current situation uh is exacerbated in certain ways um because it's too subtle Mm -hmm. Uh, because being symptomatic uh it doesn't like it doesn't like put up a big billboard around you saying i have the fucking thing stay Mm -hmm. the fuck away uh, a virus like the Reaper virus that causes like open lesions and sores all over your body and yeah, makes your yeah, eyes yeah, leak. Right. Plus, um, if you have a, a visual indicator that that person is sick and has the potential to you know cause that to happen to everyone around them, then you have panic. Get the fuck away from me! Bingo. <laughs> That's when you have people reacting in that way. And they're like quarantining like now, like right now. Uh, they're they're in the process of moving the the, uh, the forces back, and they've already built a wall. Like they've been building a wall. It seems like. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, this doesn't appear overnight. This is a thirty foot tall steel wall. With, yeah. with two two shutter doors, two layers thick. Yeah, and I'm like, you guys just gonna shut the door? They can open that. Like we thought of that. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> weld it shut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, they they uh, they weld it shut. Do do they shut this before she gets uh, homegirl to the helicopter? Or is it... I think they're in the process of shutting it, and somehow she just skirts around it. Yeah, she <laughs> walks around the wall somehow. A mom carrying a small child manages to subvert, the, like like to skirt around the wall. Yeah, she just charges this helicopter. Like wait, 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 and it's like we can't take it. That's too much weight. I'm like, dude, it's like a fucking 105 pound woman and a 40 pound kid. You got room. You can you can bring them on. Well, this one nice soldier, super sweet. He's like, listen, the little girl can take my spot. I'm like, actually, the mom and the little girl could take your spot because they're gonna weigh about the same as you uh, together. Um, but yeah, he he hops off there. The little girl somehow loses an eye. That could, she that loses happened. The- um, yeah, when when the soldiers opened fire on the crowd. Um, yeah, I don't know if an actual bullet hit her in the eye or if it was just a shard of glass from one of the windshields. Those bullets that they're shooting, her head would be gone. Like she's a little girl. Like oh I think... yeah, those bullets tumble. Yeah, that, that bullet would go in the eye and come out her ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I think she got hit with like a piece of glass or something, and it just popped yeah. the eye out or something. Um, but I really wish they would have had her like mad eye moody the rest of the time, like with a glass eye that's just not facing forward. But they, she doesn't actually have a glass eye, so that's no fun. You gotta, you gotta make it kind of fun. Yeah, I was hoping they'd do a little more with that because it is integral to the plot. Um, mm. So that it is, it is put into play. Uh, it's not something that they forget about, thankfully. But it doesn't factor in, like in in the fun way. I guess I was hoping it would it would have more utility. Like a lot, I wanted to see her like bounce it off the walls and stuff, yeah. <laughs> like throw it down the hallway, or roll it down some stairs or something. <laughs> yeah, the basically is, is Scotland has been quarantined, and this little girl, 
uh, who's going to be the main character, gets out of there. Yeah, and Mom uh, hands off like a slip of paper, like a postcard, basically, with mm-hmm. their home address written on it. And she's like, so so she knows where she comes from. Um, bye. Because <laughs> the chopper leaves without her and the soldiers, so mm-hmm. they both get fucked. Um, I don't know if there was a plan to make a sequel to this movie. I seriously doubt it. Really? Um, I mean, wishful thinking, yes. Cause, because by the time we get to the end of this movie, yes, it does leave the door open for a potential sequel. And it, it's not the worst idea in the world, to be honest. Um, I would I would actually watch a sequel to this. Well, I um, think this movie... But this from, movie... From, the, from the producer's standpoint... I don't know, man. <laughs> this is a, this is kind of a. They might have thought this could be a franchise, but they didn't really think about it. Uh, like with the zombie outbreak, like you can just keep having. Like I don't know what kept those Resident Evil movies going. They just somehow kept going. I think at the end they're like, this could be a franchise. It's not like Deep Rising where they're like, well, there's going to be another movie after this because they have to deal with this dinosaur. Um, yeah, I think they were leaving it open for the possibility for a franchise. I think that's wise when when you're working on a project like this. It's like that kind of ending lends itself well to this style of storytelling. So it's mm. like, why the fuck not? Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't detract from the film in any way. This movie tanked, by the way. Like it did not make its money back. Um, oh yeah, that, you can tell. Yeah. I, well, this I think the marketing was just. The girl with the tattoos on her face. That's the only thing I know of this movie is that cover of her face. Yeah, it's it's her flicking her tongue and doing the hand thing. <laughs> it's all sizzle, no steak in this movie. I was really disappointed. Yeah, uh, but in a lot of ways, I think that is a consequence of the marketing. Because you're not wrong. She was all over the advertisements for this movie. And it is a striking look. But in terms of like characterization and importance to the plot, she is a non-element. Like yeah. she's just there. She's yeah. not even a boss fight, really. Like, <laughs> not even. She's just she's just like a mid-boss, like a goon. Yeah. <laughs> she's a goon with two health bars instead of one. <laughs> um, but yeah, the chopper takes off, and we we get more Malcolm McDowell uh, narration about Michael Myers <laughs> murdering people in Scotland. <laughs> but um, we get a, a graphic overlay that looks very retro. Um, it's very like War Games esque. Um, and it shows us a map um, showing us the length and the breadth of the wall. Uh, it needs to be said uh, in doing five minutes of research on this movie, um, Neil Marshall wrote the film. And apparently he grew up next to the ruins of the Hadrian Wall, uh, which was apparently an ancient wall built by the Roman Empire to keep out the barbarians. Um, so he was a, he actually grew up near an actual wall or at least a ruin of one and it served as like inspiration for the plot of this movie in some ways he was like huh how could i write a story about a wall being erected in essentially my hometown like what what would prompt that sort of crazy action but um basically the the wall that's erected here in the movie um is essentially at the same site uh, as the hadrian wall was um but yeah we get to see some more contemporary footage um time is starting to march forward i think we progress like 25 years at least yeah it's london uh 2035 is kind of what we come yeah. to um and in between we get to see what they've been doing at the wall and they have like snipers posted up which have apparently been replaced by sentry guns automated ones but we get to see some snipers shooting some refugees they're trying to cross the wall uh they're 
having a good time of it, like mocking with like a chalkboard how many kills they've gotten each day. Um, and Malcolm McDowell tells us that social order decayed as time went on uh, and people resorted to cannibalism. Mm-hmm. And he also hints at the fact that uh, problems seem to be settled there for the most part, uh, but the rest of the rest of the country and in fact the world may have something dark in store for them in the times to come. But yeah, we cut to 2035 London and we're at the docks, Kyle. Or the shipyard or waterfront, whatever Something. the fuck. Uh, Kano, Kano's lingering around here yeah. somewhere. <laughs> no, her name's Eden. Uh, she's the one with one eye. Uh, I don't know exactly what her job is. I don't know what this bust is. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's basically Sonya Blade, yeah. but with one eye. Um, and I think she's supposed to be like Spec Ops or something. She works for an organization which we later learn is called the DDS. Yeah, the not not, not disability, but <laughs> not disability, but um, she works for it was a domestic defense and security or something. So homeland security, I suppose. I guess, but she's very much like a Spec Ops person here, um, and needs to be said her ball cap does not fit very well um, it is too big and there are a couple of shots here where it is like hanging over like below her eyebrows and she looks like she's trying to <laughs> tilt her head up to see to see out from under it <laughs> it looks very uncomfortable um, um but yeah there's some sort of like human trafficking organization going going like doing a deal here or something yeah so we i was i was telling you off air we were i was trying to describe like what kind of movies have uh, show nudity like what, what what will we consider movies that have nudity so like you're you're like pg-13 your rated r comedies they show boobs boobies like that's those are booby movies uh yeah. and then uh you have your your mid-tier where we're, we're showing boobs these are both showing boobs for no reason uh, but it's a little more adultish so we call those titty movies uh, and then you have, like, when we show nudity in a very dramatic film, um, we call those breasts. Like, the director is showing full frontal nudity, showing her breasts because it's part of the scene. This is a titty movie uh, because I have in my notes glass eye, <laughs> boobs, hand heck. So there's just a lady in a bathtub uh, in a gross bathroom. Uh, it looks, it reminds me of Bordello of Blood a little bit, like the opening of Bordello of Blood. A little bit. Um, I. It's, it's funny because this would be i mean this is you know <laughs> this is extraneous that has no that has no reason to be in this movie whatsoever nope. um however where i will give them credit is how she is killed um, yes. because that was very creative and even visually interesting so yeah. all is forgiven like those, those unnecessary titties those are forgiven <laughs> like you it's okay you found a way to make it work in the movie uh, Basically, this woman does the the Scarface thing, where it looks like she's just you know a lady in a bathtub. Like in Scarface, we had the lady that was just sitting on the mo- the motel like bed watching mm-hmm. TV, and she has a fucking Mac Ten yeah. under her pillow. <laughs> 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 this lady is chilling in a bathtub at the waterfront, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she has a shotgun I think in the tub. And she starts just racking shells and blasting walls and stuff, but she gets shot through the tub, and we actually get to see two two holes pierce in the side of the tub, and then water starts spilling out, like bloody water. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's actually kind of unique. I don't think I've ever seen that. That's kind of cool. And we got some titties, so (laughs) it's not the worst (laughs) thing in the world. (laughs) Um, By the way, Kyle, um, 
I'm not going to go into too much detail here because everyone gets shot. Yes. Just, I, I, man, I would have saved us a lot of time if I had just said that for the last half of Free Fire. Just everyone <laughs> gets shot. Gets Credit. Shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying in Free Fire. I'm like, someone, everybody gets shot in the leg and shot in the shoulder and then in the head. End of story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone in this scene, it's a, it's very similar to Free Fire, actually. This is a human trafficking deal gone bad. Yeah. Everyone gets shot. Uh, some tasty squibs here. Um, but one thing, Kyle, that I need to point out. So you had your you had your titty thing here. Yeah. Um, I need to talk about trauma. So we, we bring this up occasionally on the show. Um, dog soldiers actually had a very unique form of trauma that I think um, triggers people uh, more so than most forms. So dog soldiers had teeth trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember that? <laughs> you probably don't want to, but you do. <laughs> yeah, so, see, teeth trauma is one of the, trauma is one of those things that I think hits people pretty hard. Um, yes, people that have problems with seeing bad things happen to people's mouths, uh, they know who they are. Um, I'm curious though, what is up with the hand trauma in this movie? Yeah, um, we get a there good... are like eight nine ten instances of hands being removed or blown up in this movie <laughs> we've got um eden and her partner dead dead guy uh he's gonna die soon um <laughs> they are the only two storming this boat i think and they're going after what was three people um now down to two which is a lady who reminds me of the beginning of hannibal like the lady with dreadlocks from the beginning of hannibal um, and she just hacks this fucking hand off of a briefcase. Like, I guess the agents, I guess those must have been agents, or maybe that was the deal, I don't know. But they just grab the suitcase and go off. I think Rona Mitra kills the one lady uh, somehow. Yeah. Lady in the bathtub, Rona shoots her. I think Rona Mitra shoots both the ladies. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think she shoots yeah. the other lady. Um, I kind of like her. She's like, God damn it. Like, she gets shot, and it's just like, shit. And she dies. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the dude manages to get the drop on her partner, and uh, does he accidentally die? But <laughs> uh, it's up for debate. Um, he gets kind but of a either fl- way, I'm pleased with the result because dude. this is a juicy head explosion. <laughs> I was watching in the living room, and I told Stefan, "Like I can just watch it on the laptop." He's like, "No, it's fine. I'm gonna go back in the bedroom. I'm gonna go back in the bedroom, like just watch something on the laptop. I'm like, fine, I'll watch it on the big TV." But I started while she was still in there. And I'm like looking down, I'm like hand hack. I'm like, all right, what's going on? It's still going, boom! And this dude, <laughs> this dude's head just, it, it's like you were saying, like like the entry wound isn't that bad. The exit wound is the rest of his head, basically. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. I think it was an accident. Yeah, so Ronamitra's partner is being held hostage. Uh, this is the, the opening of Speed, which Kyle hasn't seen as far as I know. Um, but this is a hostage situation wherein a person is holding a gun and using uh, using them as a human shield. So mm-hmm. he has a double-barreled shotgun to this man's head. <laughs> Ronamitra is just kind of like walking him down with her pistol drawn, and her partner, who is being held hostage with a gun to his head, keeps saying, don't shoot him, don't shoot, don't him. shoot him, don't shoot him. She doesn't shoot him, but some like the guy gets... I don't know, squirrely or something, and he pulls both triggers, <laughs> both tubes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that guy's head is on the wall. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like not mu- not much makes it to the floor. It's all on the wall, um, and she uh, she shoots this human trafficker guy seemingly for spite. She probably could have just apprehended him, especially being as he emptied all of his ammunition just then. Um, but during this exchange, uh, we get to see um, 
her her chief gimmick in this movie and that would be her uh, her eyeball her glass uh, eye which yeah. is removable um throughout this entire infiltration sequence uh, she's had an eye patch of sorts it looks almost like a carbon fiber eye patch yeah <laughs> but yeah she has a removable prosthetic eyeball that has a camera in it it has like uh, night vision and obviously she can roll it around and stuff like that and it also has a record function I'll put a pin in that mm-hmm. so she recorded the entire uh, the entire hostage taking situation so she covered her ass essentially um, I don't know if that was why she was doing that or if it was just like standard practice or something but you know it's a good thing to have if your partner gets his head blown up and you're there for it um, but yeah she's kind of put out not too badly though she's just you know mildly upset yeah and, uh, she she pops a squat she's hanging out uh, at like a shipyard or something nearby and uh, enter Bob Hoskins. Yeah. He walks up. And I guess he's like her handler or something, I guess. Uh, yeah. Hard to say. Um, but he's he's in charge of her. They they work together. Uh, he walks up to her and uh, she puts her eyeball in. I don't think she did a very good job of cleaning that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You might want to bring like an alcohol rag or something. but Just something. Um, peroxide, anything. I was expecting more to come of this, but he comments on the price of cigarettes. And I thought, like, it's 2035, um, the UK's not doing well. Maybe, like, we're in a situation where, like, getting getting things like cigarettes is, like, a luxury or something. Yeah. But it's just, like, a throwaway piece of dialogue. Uh, but, yeah, they, they share a smoke together. And it needs to be said, uh, this movie does look pretty good sometimes. Um, some of the some of the set dressings are pretty incredible, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, the dilapidated city, like, when we get to back to Glasgow... Uh, some of the set dressings look pretty awesome. Well, the hospital they go to once they're across the border looks like the house in Jumanji at the end. Like, yeah, very much so. With the vines everywhere. Yeah, like nature really took this hospital back. <laughs> um, but yeah, the man, twenty-five years. Of, I feel like this movie should have taken place further in the future. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, have... I think it should have taken place several generations later instead mm-hmm. of just like half of one or one. Yeah, we got it, vines it just, it's growing a, in there. It's just a little bit weird. It, it probably more time needed to pass before nature completely retakes all yeah. of Scotland. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, the the shipyard setting here looks nice. There's like water flowing and like some sparks in the foreground and stuff. But uh, we ain't got time for that because now mm-hmm. we're back in Whitechapel, London, and we're we're party to some sort of raid. Uh, we have a bunch of people, gas masked SWAT team guys, who look just like hunk out of the resident evil franchise mm-hmm. um, again parallels uh these guys storm what looks like some sort of encampment under a bridge or something so we have a bunch of homeless people or something um and they find a room full of grossly infected people just mm-hmm. kind of laying on top of each other um it needs to be said man whoever is doing the makeup effects for this movie showed up because it looks it's gross it, yeah it doesn't look bad like it looks uncomfortable I'm going to find out who did the practical effects for this while you talk. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it going. But um, we cut from that. Um, so now we have confirmation that the Reaper virus is back, or at least something very similar to it. It's it's back. Um, and uh, it's in London, which is not Scotland, which is a problem. Uh, <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we cut to the prime minister and uh, that guy from The Departed with uh, citizens. <laughs> um, and uh, they're in some sort of command center. Um, so we're we're able to quickly discern that the prime minister and uh, the departed guy, who I'm going to refer to as Canaris going forward, 
because his name's pretty easy to remember. Canaris mm. um, is essentially like his number two. Um, so we're at this command center and we're going over like a, a battle strategy for how to handle this virus if it has in fact started to spread in London. Um, and the plan is not a good one. It's essentially identical to what they did to Scotland. Um, basically, they're going to flood parts of the city and quarantine, like physically, like separate London from the rest of the UK. Um, and of course, Bob Hoskins isn't terribly happy about that. He's like, uh, you know, it didn't really work out the first time. What makes you think it's going to work out the second time? Oh, even I more think people? that's such a good idea. I've got to work on a Bob Hoskins. I mean, just uh, do the Mario voice instead. Maybe it'll be easier. He's got a little bit of a... Sometimes he gets a little bit of a, a growl in there. Yeah, Bob Hoskins is actually kind of hard to get. Because uh, he, he does have, like... I think you have to be a certain shape to sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> and neither of ne- neither you nor I have that. No. I'm going to... I want to watch... I think it's his most... Uh, I think it's his most famous movie. Um, like... I mean, obviously, he's, if you don't know who he is, he played Shmi in uh, in Hook, and he's also in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But The Long Good Friday, <laughs> I think, is his uh, his big one. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, a note about this movie was that uh, Neil Marshall told him to just do that performance for this one. For, Sh- for Shmi? No, The Long Good Friday. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he ac- actually, that was his, his notes to him on the set, was just do that again. Nice. Um, so clearly, he's a fan of that performance. Um, I'm sorry, Kyle, uh, not to completely derail us, but when you say Shmi, mm-hmm. so oh, there you, are two. There, there are two Skywalker. There's there's Shmi Skywalker, and there's Smee, <laughs> who is Captain Hook's number two. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I was picturing Bob Hoskins in Star Wars, and it made me very happy. <laughs> um, sadly, we didn't get that. Um, but yeah, I, I've always liked Bob Hoskins, and actually, a movie that I've been wanting to find an excuse to do on the show is a, a Jet Li movie called Unleashed. Um, takes place in France, and uh, Bob Hoskins is a gangster who owns Jet Li as a human do- attack dog. Ooh, okay. And uh, Morgan Freeman is a blind uh, piano repairman who takes in Jet Li when when he gets separated from Bob Hoskins and tries to rehabilitate rehabilitate him to his humanity. Um, but Bob Hoskins comes with Colin. And uh, people get punched. <laughs> is this 1998 or 2011? I think it's in between, like early 2000s. I want okay. To um, I actually think it's it's a standout among uh, Jet Li's Western fare. Like, okay. Like meaning outside of his Chinese filmography, it's a solid movie. Um, I like it a lot, and uh, I also like the fact that the the international title for the film is Danny the Dog. <laughs> Mm. Which why can't we just call it that? That's so much better than Unleashed. <laughs> Unleashed is so nondescript. <laughs> but yeah, Bob Hoskins is really good in it. Uh, he has a couple of outbursts in that movie where it's like, wow, that is a angry man. <laughs> He's edgy in Roger, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like it's kind of a kids movie. I think it's more of an adult movie. Um, but he has moments where he's he's on edge. Uh, I like oh, Eddie Valiant is a complex character. Yeah. I really like that movie and that performance in particular. Um, but at this point, uh, the Prime Minister calls Bob Hoskins aside from this command center mm-hmm. meeting, and uh, we get the plot of the film laid out to us, essentially. Um, basically, Canaris and the PM tell uh, 
tell Bob Hoskins that, hey, so I know uh, Scotland has been a no-fly zone and has been completely detached from the rest of the world for years now, but we've had some satellites that have still been circling and uh, they've been taking photos. And three years ago, three whole years ago, they captured photos of people, survivors, walking around in the supposed like viral infested area. Um, obviously, this is information that would have been useful to him yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they feel that this implies that there's a cure. And uh, Bob Hoskins calls bollocks to it all. Um, but they're pretty open about stating that uh, this search for a cure now as opposed to three years earlier is very much like a political power play. Um, so it's a kind of situation where it's like, yeah, we could have we could have taken care of it before it was a problem, but, but now that it's a problem, <laughs> we we can kind of look cool by solving the problem instead of preemptively attacking it. So yeah, there's some kind of real world parallels there. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So apparently, uh, it's she has forty six hours to find the cure. She finds this out. She gets on the. Uh, she gets on a helicopter with, uh, oh, we need your best person for this. Oh, you mean that one chick with uh, one eye? Yeah, that that's her. Um, yeah, the, the chick with no deaf perception? You can't be <laughs> in a military, like, you, you can't be in the military with one eye. Like, you just can't do that if you're going to be shooting guns. Also, I was going to point out, so she is, she is pointing her gun at the guy, and she's using her other hand oops sorry i hit my mic there uh she's using her other hand with her eye so she's like using her right hand and aiming with her left eye kind of thing and then i'm like i don't think that's how you're supposed to do that well uh, i mean step one is use both hands but yeah <laughs> I'm saying, like your arm is supposed to be directly in front of you you don't use the opposite arm for the eye <laughs> just i saying. mean they they had they had a limited budget. I'm sure an onset advisor was something that was just like, yeah, we can do without that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, we get like the same kind of thing. We get the Mission Impossible talk where he's just like... No, no, this is this is Escape from New York. Like oh, Escape 100%. from New York. Wow, like on the nose. Cause she's got one Escape eye. from Glasgow. <laughs> we're going to drop you in. You have 46 hours to find this. If you die, no one, we're not going to tell anybody about it. If you succeed, we're not going to tell anybody about it kind of deal. Um, yeah, that's 46 well, hours. Even Kyle, I had it. I can't believe it took me this long to figure out the eye patch, mm -hmm. Snake Plissken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, you made me think of Street Fighter the movie. <laughs> Perhaps you didn't see that. <laughs> Saget. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she gets to meet her crew who are very forgettable because they make it about five minutes past this point, I feel like. Well, a few of them only make it about five minutes past this point. Um and they're kind of not really in the really much else in the movie. Like occasionally they're here, but I don't know. It, it, it gets weird as we move forward. Um, we get uh, we meet our sweaty driver. Uh, he just that's how she's introduced him. He's like, oh, I'm the driver, and he's super gross. Uh, it doesn't look very good. Uh, and then there's a hottie driver. Uh, oh. She's yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, her eyebrows are trimmed. Yeah. <laughs> they are plucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think I found a new term for a beefcake. So uh, we get within every crew. There's like the. Uh, the attitude problem guy, uh, and this is this is the beefcake generally, and we get our beefcake here. I think I'm gonna call uh, British beefcakes uh, meat pies. I think that's a that's a good good way to do it. <laughs> meat pie. Meat pie. Yeah. 
beefcake meat pie. Yeah, it's British. Maybe even sure, you can throw. Sure. We'll throw Aussies and South Africans in there as well. Um, yeah, like, I, so, I know the Aussies have meat pies. I, I can't speak to South Africans. But. They probably do, right? They're yeah, basically I mean, British. Would the distinction be like mince meat pies or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but yeah, the, go ahead. One of the main people we meet here is uh, Norton, mm-hmm. um, who is the first person to greet her like outside the wall. Um, I, God, I can't recognize this actor for some reason. Day after he tomorrow. So familiar. What now? He's one of the he's one of the three guys. It's Ian Holm, some guy, and then him are the three guys in the weather the weather thing in Day After Tomorrow. They're the ones with Ian Holm. Okay, uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, for me, it was really obnoxious because I was like, oh, man, I I swear I know this guy, mm-hmm. but I couldn't place him. Like at first, I thought he was the guy from like one of those TNT shows or whatever, the Psych, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, but. It's neither here nor there. Point is, he's he's with us for most of the movie. Um, he gets involved in the action here and there, and he's generally like, he's basically the Hicks of this movie in in aliens terms. Um, most of these soldier characters don't have much personality other than uh, eyebrows that are plucked, guy that's sweaty, beef ki- or meat pie, meat pie, <laughs> and uh, Hicks. Um, <laughs> And then we also uh, meet a couple of doctors that we have on staff because obviously we're looking for some sciencey kind of stuff. We're looking for a cure, and a, one of them is played by uh, Sean Pertwee, um, who would be uh, one of the major players in Dog Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also in uh, the Kurt Russell movie uh, uh, Soldier. Um, it was kind of neat seeing him here because I've always liked him. Like I've I've never seen him turn into bad performance. He's not in it this much. He's not in this one very much, but uh, it was just kind of neat seeing him here. Is the main goon uh, from uh, the Knights, like from the from Malcolm McDowell's people, is he from Dog Soldiers as well? I really recognized him. Uh, he looks so familiar I, to me. I don't see him listed in the credits for that one, um, but apparently he's a uh, he's a major stunt guy. Oh, okay. Uh, so it could it could be like an uncredited situation. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, uh, we also have these things we're calling bio suits, which look very, they, I mean, let's call it what they are. Uh, this is BMX armor or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally what it is. Um, but essentially it, it also, um, reminds you a bit of, uh, the armor they're wearing blade Two, like the sunlight protective armor. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish those weren't in this movie. They look really hokey. Um, and thankfully they don't have them for the second half. Um, but yeah, uh, long story short, we, we meet the crew. Most of them aren't going to be with us very long, so names aren't really important. Um, but we, we roll out in a couple of APCs, and very much like dog soldiers, uh, the imagery here is evocative of aliens. Um, so you can tell that Neil Marshall's probably a fan. Um, and yeah, we arrive at the wall, and uh, they have to open it up with like what Jaws of Life or like super high-powered saws and whatnot because it was welded shut when mm-hmm. shut it um, oh i'm sorry the guy that plays the main goon is from downton abbey i knew i recognized him oh really yeah i'm watching that right now so wow that's a dramatic departure from this <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> um also it needs to be said we get a demonstration of how the sentry guns work in the form of a fluffy little bunny getting blown the fuck up <laughs> yeah i was like you fucking dicks it's the guns from aliens oh absolutely well 
correction, the director's cut of Aliens. I'm sorry, yes. They were, they were, they were only talked about in the theatrical cut. Um, but yeah, uh, that bunny go boom. That's pretty tasty. Um, and then we get to uh, see what, the, what that roadblock scene looks like now. Um, so we roll through with the APCs, and uh, we see like all the cars are still piled up, except everything's overgrown um, to a dramatic extent. And I really like uh, just the first few minutes once we get past the wall here, because uh, the use of light, or rather darkness here, because uh, in the opening narration, Ma- Malcolm McDowell talks about how uh, eventually all the lights in Scotland just went out, including fires and whatnot, so everybody just assumed everyone died. Um, and this scene's really interesting because the only light we get comes from the vehicles. And it's like, wow, it's very rare, like, living in Seattle, as I do, to see, like, true darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of it's kind of chilling imagery. Um, but then we hit something, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> cow. Yeah, we hit, we, hit, we hit a cow, and there's, like, a whole fucking ton of cows outside. Um, I don't know what what the significance of that was. I guess it's just to show that things are like they're survivors and things are living on this side so you should be expecting that that's what i kind of took from it also spoils a bit of their point though because like if we have this many cows why are we eating each other (laughs) yeah that's a good question hmm so it's a confused point but i mean it's a interesting image though because we hit a cow a Mm -hmm. cow um, but then we send up a flare and we see that we're, oh my god, we're surrounded by hundreds of CGI cows. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, we we, uh, we find the hospital. I guess we're going to try to find some of uh, Malcolm McDowell's, what's his name? Uh, Kane? They call Dr. Him Kane. Dr. Kane. They're going to try to find uh, his uh, research. He, I guess he found a cure. They think he found a cure. So like, oh, we're going to go into this hospital and get the research. Um, we scold one of the doctors because she was like, you're in like the line of fire or something like that. And he's just like, well, I don't know what the fuck that even means. And then the fucking uh, meat pie is like, oh, you fucking loser. You get, oh, you're going to get fucking killed, you fucking idiot. I'm like, dude, just be nice. Like, you don't have to be a I dick. mean, meat pie may as well be called Drake uh, in <laughs> Aliens terms. He's yeah. basically Drake. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and, um, um, I think what they're trying to set up here is that Dr. Sterling, as we'll later learn, um, He's incompetent as a fighter, and like Rona Mitra tells him, like, "Hey, if a, a shit goes down, stick close to me." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we're trying to set up is that it's like, "Oh, he'll he'll change, he'll grow um, from this point to the end of the movie," because he gets in the thick of it towards the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, although he's still not the best of fighters by the end, but he's 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 trying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they they make their way inside the house from Jumanji, and they're you know they're they're going through, it and it's disgusting in there. And like you were saying, like the, this is one of the set designs that were just this was really great because it's it's uh, just really clustered and gross. We've got like those plastic tents over the hospital beds with the blood on the inside. Which I, even in these suits, I would be like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like we can't we can't be in here. This place is gross. <laughs> Uh, this place is disgusting, um, but now that they make their way through there, and then uh, the the TV inside the are they tanks? I, what do you want to call it? I'm calling them APCs. APCs, yeah, that works for me. They don't they don't have like a turret or anything on them. 
We're, the the TV isn't working, the, the monitor, and he's just, like, punching the shit out of it. Like, why isn't this working? Pump, pump, pump. Maybe because you're punching it. Um, but they manage to find, like, a clean area. And right when they find the clean area, he comes up on the horn and is like, dude, there's a girl standing outside of the tank. And she looks like... Um, she looks like she's about to collapse. Like she, does, she looks malnourished. She doesn't look good. She's kind of got a thousand yard stare, just not looking all there. Th- this actually is kind of a fun chain of events here because they're like, don't engage with her. And as soon as they say don't engage with her, he's almost outside of the vehicle. Like he's already suited up going outside to get her. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of shocked he even had the wherewithal to put on his suit before he went outside. Um, she's kind of hot. We have to help her. I'm almost positive that's what they're implying because yeah. he he hops to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know, man. She looks Mm-mm. a little cracked out. Yeah, <laughs> like, she doesn't look. If healthy. you're into that, I mean, I'm not gonna you know take anything away from you, but she she looks like she's got some problems. If she coughs um, on me, I'm kicking her out the door. <laughs> no fucking shit. <laughs> it's like, have you seen what the Reaper virus does to people? <laughs> My God. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he hops out of the APC, and uh, just so happens, I think I think. Uh, Drake, uh, aka Meat Pie, I think he's the one who steps into the clean room. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, this lab looks like it's untouched," and Ronamitra's like, "Yeah, you should go check it out." Wise ass. Yeah. And, uh, he he, <laughs> he gets a bat with nails in it to the face. Fucking boom! Just out of nowhere. I kind of felt like it was coming, but it still got me by surprise. If that makes any sense. What makes it work is the fact that we're cross-cutting back and forth between the APC and him. Mm-hmm. So it's like the energy level's heightened where we're like, oh, man, th- everything's happening at once. Like, I can't I can't brace myself because there's too much energy right now. Mm-hmm. And this, this shocking act of violence worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work in the sense that that character, Meat Pile, Meat Pie, has no character to him so no. i didn't even know who it was until a little later until i counted the heads and was like who's missing oh that guy that stinky guy <laughs> that's kind of the problem with the movie is that we don't really spend any time getting to know the characters i mean but even even eden yeah there there's nothing to him and i which is fine because the movie's gory so i'm like if you're not going to give me any character development at least give them good deaths which they do deliver on for the most part um yeah so here come the marauders just fucking out of it's the equivalent of dirt bikes everybody's just coming out of fucking nowhere how are they hiding uh I mean, this of, is this is the foot clan slash putty patrol here like also, they just file in through the door one after the other it's interesting that being on the other side of this wall nobody tried to like have some kind of form of organization it was like no 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 no, no. just fucking punks it's just people that are into punk culture are gonna take over scotland now uh, that's what's going to happen. Like, really? You don't think anybody wise would try to get into power and try to get some kind of order? Come on. Yeah, it, it's a little far-fetched, um, but I think it's an aesthetic choice. Probably the director has an affinity for punk culture and, you know, just wanted to highlight it in this movie mm-hmm. um, and, you know, give it a Mad Max coat of paint while he was at it. But it's funny because I remember when this movie came out, actually, um, I was teasing my roommate as he was leaving the house to go see it in the theater and I was like, oh, is that the movie where all of Scotland turns into the Prodigy concert? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, overnight, basically? And he was like, yep, that's the one. And uh, he came back and he said, it was all right. And I I teased him for that, too. But now that I've watched the movie, it's like, you know, that's actually pretty accurate. This is an all right movie. 
Um, but yeah, I was calling the Marauders uh, Splatterpunks. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's from RoboCop 3. Hmm. Um, that's the gangs in Detroit are called Splatterpunks, and they look very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, although the Splatterpunks, unfortunately, were in a PG-13 movie, so when they hit people with bats with nails in them, you don't really get to see it. In this one, though, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's pretty tasty. Um, but yeah, this is basically a guns versus bats for a couple minutes here. Um, our, uh, our team of heroes just lay into these punks that are filing into the room. There's a nice bit where somebody gets shot with a shotgun and they fly backwards into a computer chair that rolls across the floor. Oh, I didn't even catch <laughs> that one. It's just a fun little beat. But um, then we have this really strange sequence here where all of our all of our heroes are trying to leave the house from Jumanji um, and the APCs are trying to leave. Like they're trying to circle the building or something. Yeah. And the whole time I'm like, armored personnel carrier yeah they're attacking you with bats and molotov cocktails these motherfuckers aren't even equipped with bulletproof uh bulletproof windows they somebody gets on top and just busts it out real quick yeah i I wrote that in my notes that was that is the flimsiest windshield ever these are the (laughs) shittiest vehicles ever they were set up for failure like these i mean in aliens at least you know like it's a fucking alien punching the windshield. Yeah, it's a, that it's makes a nine sense. foot tall thing with an exoskeleton. Like I can believe that punching through a windshield, but like just just a guy from a punk concert, <laughs> yeah. maybe not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're eating pretty paleo. They're not eating any carbs. They're just eating people. I'm like, I get it. Like you're probably not going to be strong enough to punch a, a window out uh, unless just you guys drive are drive down the block. They'll get winded. <laughs> unless you guys are making meth, in which case you might be able to. Um, I mean, from the looks of it, there might be some meth. <laughs> well, we'll get to the meth performance soon enough. Um, yeah, so we got a lot of things going on here. We've got team trying to get out of the Jumanji vehicle. We've got um, hot lady tank driver trying to like communicate with them and with the guy in the other tank, or the other APC. And then the guy manages to get the girl from outside into the APC, shuts the door. And he's trying to communicate with them as well. Uh, meanwhile, she's got a stupid little knife, and she's going to fucking kill him for some reason. Um, this was a weird... Was she acting rogue? Uh, because she just kind of like goes outside the tank, waits to get in to kill the dude. Like, Why didn't you just stab him when you were outside? Like, Why did you have to wait till you got in? I don't know. Yeah, it... it- I don't know. Maybe she actually took a nap or something because <laughs> he does lay her down. But um, yeah, the timing was a little bad because like he's under attack. He's driving around and that's when she chooses to slit his throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't work out for both of them, by the way. <laughs> uh, I think it doesn't work out for her because uh, he was going to die regardless. Um, but yeah. her plan was foiled. <laughs> yeah, so she, yeah. She ends up slitting his throat and he's like, 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 <laughs> He's really taking a long time. Took a really long time to die. Um, He's like holding his throat, bleeding all over it. And she's just kind of standing back there like an idiot. And he crashes it. And like she falls back on her ass. And then as he crashes it, he's dying in it. He had a grenade in his hand the whole time. Much like aliens. Um, And she just gets blown the fuck out of the back, which is pretty great. Uh, She got hers. It's a tasty explosion. Yeah, she she may have been hurt by that explosion. <laughs> yeah, she got hurt. It's like right between her legs. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we cut back to uh, the other APC, and like you had said, someone punches through the windshield, which has me just 
like I don't know maybe British craftsmanship ain't what it used to be or something because mm. <laughs> um, for an armored vehicle that is a flimsy windshield but um, our heroes do some demolition man shit uh, where they're still trying to get out of the house from Jumanji and they use a foam grenade uh, in an elevator they they take out the cabling on it so it drops to the bottom floor and they set off a foam grenade inside the elevator um, I guess to cushion the fall yeah it's a very strange element in the movie. Um, it's it's here and there. It 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 it's gone like a fart in the wind. Um, but it's like, oh, okay. I guess that's okay. how we get downstairs. We could have very easily just had them go downstairs. Um, but no, we need some some more things for the CGI animators to work on. Apparently, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we pile into the APC. Um, so the one remaining APC, the other one got blowed up, and the driver's dead. And, uh, yeah, we, we head into, like, a parking garage, and we're shooting at people while we're filing in. And, uh, oh, my God, uh, there is a tasty, tasty moment where a dude gets run over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same dude who took out the windshield, and uh, he gets his. <laughs> yeah, is it better than the face getting run over in um, uh, Free Fire? Or Oh, just... yes. It's pretty uh, this, great. This man... This man explodes <laughs> the wheel the wheels go straight up the middle and boosh yeah. <laughs> uh, he is a mess on the sidewalk um yeah it's tasty uh the foxy driver gets an arrow to the throat unfortunately yeah um by the way they never make her put on a helmet because she's Mm-mm. you know the foxy driver you yeah know, she's you foxy driver get the most out of out of your casting um and her man throat trauma damn yeah. <laughs> for both drivers uh she flips the car not a good driver though Mm -mm. um and uh we all file out of the vehicle and um in between scenes here apparently uh rona mitra put her eyeball back in because she had it out during the whole investigation of the hospital Um, but now she has it back in magically and uh yeah we we uh pile out of the vehicle and we start shooting into the crowd um but there are man these people have no regard for their own lives they Mm -mm. they run straight straight at your bullets like if they're upset if you miss them <laughs> um, and uh yeah we lose a couple of people here um and our our team gets split up into two groups of i think it's like four remaining survivors so we have uh rona mitra gets cornered um and she just drops her weapons and says okay i surrender and uh the doctor the guy who was in dog soldiers uh, he's beaten up and carried away um, so he does not surrender but they just take him um, and meanwhile, Dr. Sterling, the tiny doctor guy who was told he's dead weight, and uh, Norton, uh, the, the hicks of the movie, they run off separately. So they escaped successfully. Um, and then we get to meet uh, the gal that was featured very prominently in the marketing for this film. Yeah, Tattoo um, Face. Tattoo Face. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, apparently she's credited as Viper. Mm-hmm. And she is played by Lee Ann Liebenberg. Uh, she's a South African stunt woman and actress. And oh, hey, she was in both Chappie and District 9. So she mm. is indeed South African and she is indeed a stunt person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she's featured all over the marketing for this movie. And Kyle, am I am I imagining things or when she uh, when she does her uh, her uh, wiggly tongue thing with the fingers, when she does that face, does she look like Elizabeth Banks? I can see that. I know what you mean. It's fair. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Yeah, something something about the proportions of her face and like the pointiness of her nose and her smile is like 
that looks kind of familiar. <laughs> well, she's a hottie. Don't get me wrong. She, she's also a hottie. He, she's a very attractive a, woman, and, and her makeup and her costuming here are excellent. Looks yeah. great. There's a reason she's in all the marketing for this movie. Yeah, that's what they sold this movie on was her face. Um, yeah, she's like, now you've got saved in for Soul. Uh, we got to save them for, for uh, which is fun. Uh, Soul, which is son, El Soul. Uh, but he's like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. We're saving him for Soul. So they knock her out and they take her to um, the lair, which looks like it smells like mildew it does not look like a clean place um yeah they just have her kind of they have eden chained up you're just hanging up there like well she's about to take a beating um there's a gimp in here for some reason um gimp with a mallet yeah <laughs> uh yeah soul's just kind of working her over and asking her questions and you, you've seen him from the trailer uh he's uh, he looks, I don't know, he looks like he would have played Johnny Rotten um, from the Sex Pistols in a movie or something. Um, this is the most manic performance I've seen in a movie. He has the energy and edge of a meth addict. Like, you've seen this dude running around a major city if you live in a major city. Uh, he's kind of got like a, is it a mohawk? Is that what it is technically? Uh, I want to call it that, although I'm sure there's some sort of subcategory of of mohawk mm-hmm. that i'm not aware of yeah he's questioning her and he's trying to get it like why they're there and like well what the fuck do you think they're there <laughs> you guys were quarantined and you're alive well, what what else um but i guess there's more to it than that uh he knows a bit more than you would expect uh not only does he know more he also doesn't know certain things that she uh, inadvertently clues him in on mm-hmm. um, namely that there are in fact things beyond the wall um, so I guess he spent most of his life just kind of assuming that there wasn't anything beyond the wall or something um, by the way I, while you were talking about him uh, I looked him up uh, his name is Craig Conway mm-hmm. and uh, he it's funny you, you mentioned like his, the manic quality to his performance um, he strikes me as a very talented physical actor because um, it needs to be said, there, he deserves praise for his uh, physicality in this role. Mm-hmm. He's, he's bouncing around like he's in a fucking mosh pit and does not give a fuck. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently he was one of the monsters in The Descent, um, Ooh, which was nice. also directed by, by Neil Marshall. So that was purely a physical performance. And uh, also he's in a Scott Adkins movie, or Scott Adkins has a small role in it. He's not the headliner, but I own the movie because he's in it. Um, Kelly Hu and Robert Carlyle are actually the headliners of it. Um, it's called The Tournament from 2009, so that was right after this. Um, this. And I don't remember him from that movie, but I have to assume that he was there to get punched or shot. Probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they start interrogating Rona Mitra, and uh, at one point, uh, Sol, uh, Mohawk Man, he, he bites her ear. And uh, he explains that it's like every attempt that they've made to, to leave uh, from beyond the wall, uh, they, the way he phrases it is kind of cool. He says, they returned to fire and fell as ash. Um, and for someone who's maybe not terribly familiar with technology, um, I guess that would be a good way of explaining what happens when one of those sentry guns turns on you. Um, she uh, ends up biting his lip in return, by the way. <laughs> so they bite each other. By the way, the way she's strung up, like you said, um, very, very evocative of Martin Riggs mm-hmm. <laughs> in, a, in le- any, well, basically 
any Mel Gibson performance. <laughs> yeah. She's strung up and they go to town on her. Um, and long story short, though, uh, he views her as like their ticket out um, from beyond the wall, essentially. And uh, he takes off. And uh, we note here that one of the one of the guards posted up outside the door has taken her watch, um, which, as we had seen earlier in the movie, is connected to her prosthetic eyeball and serves as like the receptacle for the recordings that her eyeball transmits and whatnot and uh also uh, the only other piece of equipment that she was sent in there with was like this rod shaped gps of some sort um which uh viper the the scary gal she smashes so that's Mm -hmm. that's not good um also uh, we we cut back to the other group of heroes uh norton and dr sterling they're trying to find a way to either regroup or continue the mission uh meaning look for a cure um, another piece of important information that gets handed out here is uh, there's a girl next door to Ronamitra in a different cell um, that overheard the conversation and has something important to tell everyone, um, but nobody's really in the mood to listen right now. Um, and then we get the uh, the stage, uh, Kyle. <laughs> Do you want to walk us through what happens here? This was fucking annoying. Um, yeah, so we've got, uh, we go to Thunderdome, basically. We're in a big auditorium, and we've got goth strippers basically doing a pole dance to a song that is really really chipper really happy um people are losing their minds they're so excited and in comes soul who's just been revving himself up and he goes nuts on the stage like they know what they know what time it is dude uh soul's out there dancing on stage you know we're about to cook a dude alive and four of us are gonna eat basically because there are way too many people in this room for him to feed everybody so I don't know what everybody's so jazzed up about, other than they get to see a dude burn alive. Um, yeah, there. This is the this is like the trailer scene where she's like, like, flicking her tongue and doing her fingers. This was really annoying. This, this, Jazz this, hands. This was bothering me. It was taking way too long. Um, but they do set this dude on fire. It's pretty good. I think this is like, this is definitely CGI right here, but it's done really well. Like this, was it's pretty, done pretty really good. well. Yeah. Um, apparently, it was one of the more complicated effects in the entire movie. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of CGI matte paintings that had to be done because I think you had told me off air that a lot of this was shot in South Africa, mm-hmm. um, which not all of it looks like Glasgow apparently. Uh, so they had to doctor a lot of the backgrounds and whatnot to to have it match. But yeah, one of the more complicated effects was uh, burning this man's face. Um, <laughs> And of course, this would be the doctor who was abducted from the crash, um, the uh, uh, Pertwee, the the guy from Dog Soldiers. Um, but yeah, I I was really impressed with the scale of this set. Like, mm-hmm. It's it's really detailed. It's it's large. It's like an entire auditorium slash stage. Uh, they have kilted go go dancers and like spark twirlers, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's it's quite the show. And like the the music, like you said, is like jovial like yeah it's like punk ska kind of stuff it's like really upbeat um but yeah they they, they drive this doctor out on a flintstones car and uh, they throw plates to the crowd and uh yeah when they burn him alive it's pretty impressive and meanwhile uh, rona mitra is using a lock pick uh which she fashioned out of the broken gps i guess she took some like wiring out of it or something. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. <laughs> point is she she picks the lock or her manacles or whatever that she's strapped into and uh she manages to uh get out while while we cut back and forth between her uh, escaping and uh the doctor being carved up and fed to the masses it looks and delicious it's pretty grisly 
it looks delicious but it's yeah. also grizzly yeah it's i think it's just a big piece of pork uh but it i think it might even be better than green inferno honestly like the, there's a sequence in the green inferno where we cook a dude and we cut him up and eat him i'm like this is actually more convincing um yeah uh, i think one of the goons with a ear he's got like an ear piercing to his nose kind of thing that was popular at the time uh she brings he brings her like a little plate of food um and she manages to get the drop on him uh she gets out like with no problem like it's super easy for her to escape well, she grabs hold of that earring thing <laughs> through hey, through the through the gap in, in the grating there. Really easily, and then just yanks that shit out. Um, well, I mean, she promises not to, though, but she does. She does anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, cutting him up, she escapes, uh, and then she's, like, kind of on her way out, and um, this, this lady, uh, what's her name in the movie? I, I didn't even bother to write it down. Yeah. Uh, it's Dr. Kane's daughter. Yeah, it's Dr. Kane's the, daughter. She's the gal who is in the cell next to her. I think um, she's in she, Dog Soldiers as well. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. No, oh, she's that, in the she's in the descent and she's in Kill List. Oh, okay. She's um, the wife in Kill List. But yeah, she stops uh, Eden as she's trying to escape and she's like well give me a reason to break you out and i totally will and she's like uh give me a sec um i'm british it takes a long time for me to say things because we use too many words um, <laughs> but, um, meanwhile though uh viper uh, the scary gal with the jazz hands uh, she just a she fucking in out, from of out of nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> and this was the scene where i'm like dude she is all sizzle no steak like she's just all style no substance she's just the Again, like the licking and the hand stuff is really annoying to me. I don't know why that bothered me so much, but they get into an altercation here, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like, like this would be good. Like how, like I'm thinking, how is she gonna get out of this, uh, Viper? I'm like, she's got to come back, like it, later in the movie. Like how, how is this gonna get broken up? How's she gonna escape? Well, she doesn't actually. Uh, <laughs> she ends up getting her head cut off. Yeah, this this fight was very disappointing because, like you said, all sizzle, no steak. Mm-hmm. Um, I part of me wants to say that this is a trained stunt woman who's worked in major major productions, so I want to say she's a talented lady. But I also want to think that uh, Rona Mitra perhaps is not, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, having that lovely makeup job with that, I presume, a wig with all all manner of spikes coming out of it. Uh, probably hinders your performance a little bit Um, yeah i've always had like a major nitpick when it comes to uh costuming in uh action movies and like gals that have to wear like absurd heels and stuff while doing action scenes um i always hate seeing that because it's like you know they'd probably move a lot better if they could actually you know move um i think uh zoe saldana in the guardians of the galaxy movies has like heels built into her boots Mm. And and it always bugged me because it's like, okay, you you have this lady that you know is a capable action performer. I've seen her do well in other movies, but now you're asking her to do exactly that while wearing these gaudy heeled boots. Like, come on, man! Like, yeah. I know Chris Pratt's really fucking tall, but like, like, <laughs> and I know you have to have him smooch every once in a while, and it would be a lot easier for the cinematographer if we didn't have to have her stand on a box every time they wanted to smooch, but. Really, from a logistical standpoint, it's like just, I th- just have just have her wear flats. I think they <laughs> kissed two times, maybe two times, one time for sure. But I think 
it might even be just the one time they kiss, honestly. At yeah, once or twice at most. Yeah, not they don't kiss often. too often. Like I said, he's too fucking tall. <laughs> yeah. Um, by actor standards, but um, but yeah, this fight is edited to shit. Uh, it actually kind of gave me a little bit of a headache to watch. Um, the as a connoisseur of action cinema, this was not well put together at all. The Road Warrior sequence was was driving me insane. I thought it was really bad. The interior shots of the car were really discombobulating. I was like, okay, guys. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I have no idea what's happening in that scene. All the exterior shots of the vehicles are really nice. But when we get inside, I'm like, where is that guy in relation to that guy? Who's hitting who? I don't know what the fuck's going on. But yeah, um, we get, I think, the fourth instance of hand trauma in this movie Mm -hmm. um, when when Viper gets her head taken off. Because first she gets disarmed. (laughs) 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 And then depacketated, de- um, and we get a fun, fun little bit of like whimsy here, where uh, her her eyes are still blinking after her head's been removed from her body. Mm-hmm. Thought that was kind of cute, uh, totally unnecessary, just like the titties. But sure, <laughs> why <laughs> so, not? It's like, hey, you want to make that head animatronic for me? It's like that'll cost us like ten thousand more dollars, but it's up to you, boss. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, viper's out of the picture and we get a fun bit after the fight where some guy like is whistling down the end of the hallway he's just like casually rounding the corner and ronamisha sees him and chucks a machete yeah. at him yeah, doesn't hit funny. him but he's like oh fuck <laughs> and he just he just runs out of the frame it's just a funny bit but um uh eden radios norton uh hicks and uh basically they're trying to run rendezvous they're trying to rendezvous with each other and uh, Sol is obviously pissed because his uh, his gal pal is out of the picture. Um, and uh, we follow Doctor Kane's daughter, uh, Rona Mitra does. Um, she leads she leads them to like an archer, like a bowman, like yeah. I think like medieval I, times bowman. Yeah, I just called him Robin Hood. Yeah, he's totally Robin Hood. And uh, oh fuck, the savages have bikes and a bus. Yeah. <laughs> the marauders take uh, give chase, and yeah, the. The other two guys, they're all they're all running to the... She gets to the train with Robin Hood and the blonde lady. And she's like, we're on Platform 6. And uh, they're headed towards Platform 6 as if they know where the fuck that is. Um, and yeah, the Marauders are giving chase. Uh, and I mean, they're chasing the fuck out of them. Um, but basically, they're just trying to get to the train in time. And the, this train isn't going very fast. I don't know why the Marauders just didn't keep chasing. They, they basically pull out of the station and like well that's it we can't go any further than that because they all just stop at the end of the end of the platform and i i read that um so soul ends up punching the dude next to him and apparently he broke his nose on accident uh doing this uh on one of the takes yeah just because he got oh my god a little too close yeah it is a pretty savage punch. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, like you said, the guy bounces around with the energy of a meth addict. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he got too into it, maybe. I think he was just um, pouring coffee on Adderall in this movie because he is losing his mind. This is, like I said, he's l- screaming like crazy. <laughs> no, he's he's like a Jimmy Hart hype man or something. He's just bouncing off the walls. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did like the comedic timing of him socking that guy, though. Poor guy, though. He got his mm-hmm. nose broke <laughs> for a okay movie. <laughs> yeah. So we, we get a little chit-chat on the train. Uh, I don't really know what they're talking about, but there's one line I really liked, which was, sorry to piss in your chips. 
which I thought was uh, was kind of fun. It's not. It's supposed to be Cheerios, but chips is fine. I like that. Yeah, it. it I guess that's the UK equivalent. But yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah. Basically, the uh, Doctor Kane's daughter. Uh, this is where it becomes known that it's like, hey, uh, it's my dad, and I think Soul was her brother. Yeah. Um, so the whole family's fucked apparently, but um, she basically tries to weasel out of things and say like i can point you towards dr kane but i can't take you there because we've got beef um that doesn't exactly work out for anyone but um we got a, a walking montage a uh, lord of the rings-esque walking montage of uh, all of us walking through lovely uh scotland uh, the hills and the and the forests of scotland um, and at this point, we've all shed our uh, our bio suits. Thank God, uh, mm-hmm. we don't have that shitty BMX armor anymore. So everybody's dressed down. It looks a lot better. Um, and then we arrive at a long tunnel uh, that takes us uh, under a mountain, and uh, we get a reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which, again, through five minutes of research, uh, you'll learn that uh, Neil Marshall was inspired by that movie to pursue filmmaking. Um, basically, it's like an underground bunker filled with boxes, very, very similar to the end of Raiders. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Sterling even says, like, like, is the Ark of the Covenant in here or whatever? It's like, huh, I see what you did there. I, <laughs> did. I like that movie, too. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we come out the other side into, like, lush, verdant wilderness. Um, and then uh, we hear some, like, rustling in, in, the, in the woods or something. And uh, both... Robin Hood and Dr. Kane's daughter uh, are noticeably freaked out, and they, they say the name Telamon, um, which is apparently Dr. Kane's, like, muscle. It's the equivalent of his odd job. Um, we all take off running our separate ways. Uh, everybody gets captured, and I, instead of trying to fight Telamon, who... Do you want to describe what this guy looks like, Kyle? <laughs> which dude? Uh, on horseback. Oh, yeah, it's like we we're in a different movie now. Like they are in like medieval garb. Like they're they're like potato sack. They're basically wearing like burlap sacks, and they have arm like full blown armor. I think they have um, chainmail as well. Yeah, I I don't understand the logistics of this. Um, even if you were to say like lose all of technology, get getting this far along, like like being able to do complex leather work and like weaving and chainmail and and fashioning of steel and stuff it's like how the fuck did you find the tools and the equipment to to build all this yeah no kidding because it doesn't look like worn out it's not like they're raided a museum or something no they fashioned this like recently (laughs) i mean it's been 25 years so i guess if you just know how to do that and you teach other people how to do it it's totally reasonable that they could have been fashioning this stuff we don't see that happening we just have to kind of assume either that or they did raid some museums on that side of the wall and just gathered up all the stuff i mean mean, they do have a castle yeah i'm surprised if it doubled as a museum yeah they had a castle so they might just be using the resources of the castle um but yeah uh they get to the other side there's men on horses uh and (laughs) they get brought to kane who again this is turns into a completely different for for a minute turns into a completely different movie um kane is uh malcolm mcdowell he's the doctor dr kane and uh they're kind of going back and forth and he's like why are you guys here and they're like well we're here for a cure and he's like you dumb idiots there's no cure we're just natural selection we just actually basically everybody that's living on this side of the wall that survived were immune to the virus and they've been living there just totally fine no problem no cure there was no cure 
Um, and there's, I guess they just kind of go back and forth. But he's not a nice man, and he has no intention of letting them go for no real reason. Uh, I don't understand what his, his motivation is to be a dick. Uh, I think he just has like a like skewed view of the world. Like he has pride in the fact that he and his people were chosen. Yeah. If you want to phrase it that way, so he look he looks upon them as not only like outsiders but like unclean outsiders, like mm-hmm. impure. I think is even a word he uses. So he has a holier than thou attitude about him. I mean, it's it's Malcolm McDowell. He, that's mm-hmm. what he does. <laughs> so yeah. It's like it's like I think he's actually like that in real life. <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he probably thinks he's better than you. <laughs> um, I mean, if you've seen his filmography, he has about two good ones on there, like two legit good ones, and then everything is. <laughs> he's kind of all over the place. I feel like he's one of those guys that's like Tim Robbins, where if you ask him. He'll do it. <laughs> so yeah. You just have to ask. If you asked him, Kyle, he would do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we cut back to London for a minute. And yeah. holy shit, the infection is bad. It got uh, full-blown gross. Yeah, it got gross. People are turning to goo in the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bad. Um, and uh, it, it's about to get worse uh, because we have a, a very ambitious infected gentleman yeah. who storms like the prime minister's office with a fire axe yeah and he kills a guard and this it needs to be said this man is covered head to toe in lesions and scars he's he's he is more pus than man at this point it's it's like an oozy leprosy that's what it kind of looks like yeah it's kind of like uh planet terror if you've Mm -hmm. ever seen that um Anyway, he kills this guard, and we get hand trauma, like, number five or six, um, <laughs> because he needs to get through security, and in order to do this, he needs the guy's handprint, as well as his retinal scan, so he both takes mm-hmm. his hand and his head. So, this movie is... I feel like f- this movie is 50% hand trauma. <laughs> it's like, and then and we're not trauma. done yet, too. Yeah, there's, there's more hand trauma in this movie. Um, but yeah... Uh, this infected gentleman manages to ascend this uh, supposedly secure elevator. I don't know how you could call it that if you have exactly one security guard posted out front. Um, but yeah, he, he comes into the command center, and uh, <laughs> Bob Hoskins gets some stunt credit for this movie because he gets to do a John Woo move where he mm. falls on his side. <laughs> it's like he slides across the floor with his revolver, and uh, he shoots this guy as like, like a security door is closing in front of him. But his timing was not the best because the blood splatter from his gunshots uh, goes all over the prime minister's face. <laughs> Dude, so he gets shot in the face and he kind of turns around. He starts talking to everybody and everybody just like stops dead. And then there's like, whoa. And he just kind of looks at them like he doesn't ask, but he's like, is there something on my face? And he uses his tongue. If you just saw a dude get shot in front of you and you feel moisture on your face... It's blood. You don't need to taste it. Use your finger to rub. He uh, uh, licks the side of his mouth. Yeah, it's bad. Um, yeah, everybody around him is giving him the, he's behind me, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he, Prime Minister gets uh, carted off into quarantine, which is essentially just an office where they shut him in. They're like, hey, nobody, nobody should be around him anymore. Um, and it's strongly implied that Canaris uh, is, like takes his post, or at least temporarily assumes the position of being in charge. Um, and we 
cut back and forth between uh, Dr. Kane's daughter being branded for some, yeah. some reason. Some I have reason. No idea. Um, it contributes nothing. Um, we cross cut back and forth between that and uh, the bridges being raised in London. So I guess they're proceeding with the, the lockdown slash quarantine. And uh, the Prime Minister loading a revolver and offing himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cut to the arena, uh, which was very uh, Gladiator-esque, especially yeah. the early portions of Gladiator. This feels more like an execution. Uh, there, there's a scene in Game of Thrones. Uh, we've seen the mountain like one other time prior to this scene, um, but then they this is when they actually have the guy who ends up playing the mountain the rest of the time, uh, the body, the big dude. The, the there, main were, guy. there were two actors? Yeah, so the first actor was uh, early in the series, maybe like the first or second season. And he was like he was a big guy, but he wasn't much bigger than the hound, uh, his brother. Um his he just looked he kinda looked like Robert the Bruce a little bit. Uh Angus. Angus, yeah. He kinda looked like <laughs> Angus a little bit, just big. And they never really show much of his face. They just show a little bit of his face. But after that they cast um the Icelandic dude. Hopthor Bjornsson. Yeah, Bjornsson. Hopthor Bjornsson. They got him. So they basically, he's like the executioner. So they just have him with a shirt off, just fucking killing people. Like he just has a sword and his shirt off, and they're just bringing people over to be executed. Not even like kneeling them down. He's kind of just like chasing them and whacking at them. <laughs> like, oh, so he bolos them. Yeah, he he's just doing that. Like he's, <laughs> he's just. Bolo with a sword. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> And this is what I'm like, dude, this isn't a gladiator fight. Like, you just send a chick in with yoga pants to fight a dude who looked like he just got pulled from, uh, like, a legit gladiator fight. Um, and he's just, yeah, just trying to kill her. This whole sequence, this, this wasn't very good either, I didn't think. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe she got better. Um, but in 2008, I don't think Rona Mitro was, like, terribly comfortable as an action performer. Mm-hmm. Um, because... The editing in in these like melee sequences, um, both with the viper, <laughs> viper, <laughs> and uh, and with uh, Telamon, the this armored knight guy, um, both of these sequences, the editing is very different from the rest of the movie. It's it's much more manic, and oftentimes you see that in instances where they're trying to cover up um, some raggedy spots in the choreography or in the performances. Um, so I, I suspect that maybe she just wasn't as comfortable as they wanted her to be or something mm-hmm. um cuz yeah the it the editing here is really not very good um the setup's fun though cuz like you said it it literally is like a, a a woman in yoga pants versus a knight yeah. that's a that's a matchup you can't really find many other places Mm-mm. so you know if this is the only example we have of it not legally I'm glad it exists yeah. <laughs> but it's you know unfortunately not the best um but yeah, uh, we cut back and forth between the fight and uh, the rest of the crew escaping. Uh, so this is where we get to see Norton actually do stuff, and he's got some moves, man. <laughs> like, like he sidekicks a door open. Like he, oh yeah, he's Steven Seagaling people left and right. And it's like, man, I wanted more of him in this movie. Shit. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we get a uh, another juicy bit of violence here though, because we cut back to the arena and uh she gets wise to the fact that it's like huh maybe i should stop kicking the guy in the full suit of armor that's probably not the most effective means of combating him you're wasting um, and she, you're, you're wasting calories right now trying to kick exactly him. yeah spare spare your shins like you're really not doing yourself any favors um and she tries to climb out of the arena and in doing so she ends up throwing another dude in there so like just like a 
a squire or some someone who's Useless, not yeah. as armored uh, dead meat basically dead meat. <laughs> and uh, of course uh, Telamon switches from like a lance or a spear to uh, like a morning star uh, so this would be a ball and chain uh, with spikes on it <laughs> and he start winging it around and this poor this poor dead meat uh, gets it right in the square in the middle of the face when he's on his back on the ground and it's pretty it's pretty tasty it's just like i like a good head explosion it mm-hmm. makes me happy um but then uh telemon goes down um via like a i'm not sure what you call this like a war hammer it's like a hammer with a pick end at the, at the mm-hmm. back of it and the pick goes into the top of his head uh, we get some tomato sauce coming out the grating of his mask it's kind of cool um but before malcolm mcdowell can order the archers to take her out um <laughs> Some explosions start going off, and I'm pretty sure uh, Norton is like tossing just bombs he just happened to have on him because he he like raids the armory and recovers some of his equipment. So he's like setting off explosives in this medieval castle, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Malcolm McDowell gets to say a line that probably ranks up there in my mind uh, as like fun things you'd want to say as an actor in a big budget movie. Uh, it's right up there with we'll meet again (laughs) spider-man like if i was in a movie that that's a phrase i would want to say but he gets to say man the defenses we're under attack that's yeah (laughs) so it's so fucking cheesy but it's great (laughs) that's like what defenses malcolm what defenses um but yeah we escape (laughs) yeah on horseback yeah on horseback and then we get rid of the horses and we get to the warehouse which i don't know why they went there um well, they go back to... the way they came oh. yeah they, they get into this warehouse and like you said it must have been inspired by you know indiana jones because they flip on the lights and it's just choom, 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 choom. i mean this thing is huge and i don't know what they're looking for in particular but what they do find is a Bentley, a 2008 Bentley. And I picked this movie because I'm like, this is going to be stupid action, maybe some gore. Uh, not as It had way more gore than I was expecting. I'm like, it's also got product placement for some reason. Um, but this actually isn't product placement. Did you know that? In what way? Uh, so Bentley, from what I read on IMDb, do not do product placement. They actually purchased three of these Bentleys for $150,000 apiece. I don't know why they needed to be Bentleys, but this was the 2008 Bentley, and uh, they end up like crashing one of them, like like just for like the scene, they end up crashing one of them, and it was still like into like the engine and everything were still intact, like it had like exterior damage, but like like this this car still runs. It's like, like damn, this is a really good fucking car, uh, but yeah, I thought that was the strangest thing that they bought a Bentley for this. Yeah, um, I mean. I'm sure you could have found a, a better, more economical way of doing that. All it needed to be was a fancy car, not necessarily yeah. specifically a Bentley. You probably could have gotten Lexus to do this, or just nah, it. It's got to be nicer than that. Like, I mean, James mm. Bond always has. Well, not BMW always, or Mercedes. He's got his Aston Martin. That's like mm-hmm. one of the big ones for the James Bond franchise. But um, like an yeah, like an, a super awesome Audi or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was that's kind of shocking that they yeah. paid out of pocket just so why. they could use specifically that vehicle. Um, but uh, basically, she grabs the manifest from off the wall, um, and she there's like a a thing that she says in passing, like I'm looking for something fast, 
Um, so the plan is to escape, and of course, we need a sports car because it's that kind of movie. Um, so she gets a cell phone from a different box as well, because um, obviously she needs to call in the cavalry or, or like let them know that they're coming and they have the cure uh, in the form of Dr. Kane's daughter, though, not an actual cure. Uh, she doesn't exactly make that known up front. <laughs> um, and uh, Kyle, am I wrong in, in saying that Norton gets the Boromir treatment here? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even need to write it down because it's yeah. He just gets fucking shot like four times in the back by arrows. Slow motion. Slow arrows. motion. Um, he gets to make eye contact with Ronamitra as he's going down. It's mm-hmm. very dramatic. Uh, I think Sean Bean took probably twice as many arrows, but still, it's a lot of arrows. He took three arrows in the torso, and then he was about to get shot in the face by the Urukai. Uh, but then Aragorn comes in, fights the Urukai, and then. Um, uh, Sean Bean dies in Aragorn's hands. Barmir. I just watched it. I just watched the extended version a couple weeks ago, so it's fresh. Good for you. I'm, and I've also seen it a getting, billion times. I'm glad you're getting to the extended cut, though. Mm. Yeah, you know, if if you're gonna be a fan of the franchise, you gotta you gotta go all in, man. Yeah, I need to just buy them on Blu-ray. Fuck yes. Um, but yeah, we uh we pile into the Bentley and we drive out of there, so it's down to three. Uh, we have. Eden, Dr. Sterling, and Dr. Kane's daughter. And uh, it needs to be said here, uh, the, the soundtrack for this movie is done by Tyler Bates, and it's a little bit all over the place. Um, it's The score kind of vacillates back and forth between, like, uh, new metal rock, um, a little bit of punk. Uh, it, it gets, like, epic and, like, choral um, when we get to the medieval locations, which we're all done with, by the way. Yeah, we're um, done with medieval. But then we, we we have this like piece of music that played also when we were trying to escape uh, the Jumanji house. Um, it's oddly heroic for a, a not very heroic movie. Um, Tyler Bates is a very talented composer. Um, he's done a lot of, I think, video games as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm. Um, and this score is not bad. It's just uh, it doesn't really match up with what's happening very often, uh, which is kind of a shame because uh, that, that's important uh, to the editing of a movie for sure. Um, but yeah, the music is going nuts here. And uh, Rona Mitra calls Bob Hoskins to let them know they're on the way. And Canaris takes the phone. He's like, we'll handle it. Whatever the fuck that means. Um, and then we get an explicit reference to Mad Max in the form mm-hmm. of this uh, cop car that shows up. Like, even the paint job is that's Mad Max's first car. Like, 100%. That, mm-hmm. that yellow stripe, yeah, that's a Mad Max car. Um, but yeah, a cop car rolls up behind them and gives chase. And uh, we do this thing where we spin around the car and we shoot out the tires. And, uh, yeah, long story short, that cop car takes a long fall. That's a pretty fun stunt. Um, just, you know, car getting launched off a fucking cliff. Uh, it reminded me of, again, Raiders of the Lost Ark when uh, the, the Nazi Jeep goes off mm-hmm. the cliff. that The cliff that just magically appears out of nowhere. <laughs> like <laughs> I always thought that was a weird cut where it's like, we don't even get any hint that there's a cliff there. And then it's like, oh, those guys are really dead. <laughs> it's best just to not ask questions in the 80s for movies. Just don't ask questions. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's like, oh, wow. The geography of that scene is questionable. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, finally, the rest of the Marauders show up. So the cop car was just like a scout or something. And it's a whole bunch of Mad Max cars. Um, it's kiss psycho circus kind of shit mm-hmm. um, and uh 
I loved that uh, Soul has Viper's Viper's head in the passenger seat. That's not healthy. That's not. A That's healthy not thing healthy. To do. That probably stinks to high heaven, but it's a nice touch. He's just got her taped. Uh, also, the gimp is attached to the front of a car. Um, Mad Max Fury Road came out well after this, and I couldn't help but think of Max attached to the front of that car, uh, all chained up. I'm like, yeah, interesting. Well, there's there's that, and then also in Fury Road, the I think the character's name is the Doof, the guy with the guitar. Yeah. Um, by the way, I I I forgot to send it to you, but apparently some like some actress is married to the Doof. <laughs> oh, really? And, like she's like a prominent actress. <laughs> I was like, really? You're married to the Doof? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Soul gives chase, and uh, we we do some Mad Max editing here where we drop out the music, and instead it's just all motor noises. That's pretty cool. But then it all gets interrupted by some piece of licensed music. And I think you told me that this was from like a contemporary band of some sort that was. Uh, the, the, the very, very, very last song is a contemporary. Oh, over the credits. Yeah, over so the credits. I, I don't know what this track was, but it's. It fits. Yeah. It's just. It, it comes out of nowhere a little bit. Um, there's a fun bit where uh, Viper's severed head <laughs> catches a crossbow bolt in the head mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and like soul gives a look like oh come on <laughs> it's like i just finished taping that um but then like the the big centerpiece of the choreography of this action sequence comes in the form of a soul jumping from his vehicle into the bentley yeah and as yeah, as you and i had both alluded to earlier the the shots and the editing when he's in the bentley like fighting everybody are really a lot <laughs> I'm kind of just spoiled with Fury Road now. Like, any, if you're going to be doing Mad Max, it has to be on that scale now. Like, if you're doing esque, it has to be that good. Because this, maybe it's just me. After I just watched Fury Road not too long ago, it was about a month ago. I watched it, and it's so good because the majority of that movie is that—just the chasing sequences. And this, yeah, when he's inside the Bentley, like it—it's just. You have no idea what's happening. the the shot The shots are so fast. Uh, we're not even getting like there's nothing in frame when we're actually inside the car. Really, like there's we don't really focus on anybody. He punches the lady in the back, and I think he ends up punching the dude in the front. He knocks out his sister and in, in the back seat basically. Um, and then he somehow gets kicked out of the car and gets on top of the car, which makes sense if you're like. Climbing all over like a big truck in Fury Road where it's like you knock somebody off the side. There's lots of things that they can hang on to and climb. Like they're going pretty fast in a Bentley. Like there's nothing to grab onto on this thing. Yeah, I, I think it's meant to be like an homage to the Road Warrior in particular. Yeah. Um, what was it? Wes uh, has that like Terminator streak to him. Well, I mean, predates the Terminator as far as I recall, but it, he just has that like unkillable quality to him. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you think you're rid of him, but nope, comes back. Um, it's it's a fun little bit where he goes out the window and then there's a couple seconds where silence and then he just pops up like the T1000 on the back of the car. <laughs> this is where he is full like he is screaming every time you see him in this in this instance he is screaming the entire time. Yeah, um, he's. <laughs> I don't think anyone in this cast except maybe Bob Hoskins can measure his uh his level of fervor, but I. Uh, I mean, man earned his paycheck. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in between him crawling all over the car, we get a couple of people getting run over. That's tasty. Uh, the gimp gets blowed up. 
that's tasty. Um, there's a really nice upside down crane shot that, funny enough, I was I was uh, telling you about how I finally, finally, finally uh, watched Midsommar, mm-hmm. and uh, we have one of those shots uh, towards the opening of that movie. So this that was a fun little coincidence because I watched them pretty much back to back. It's a that's a very weird experience. Kyle. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, and then also we get a fun bit where a guy actually tries to imitate Soul basically and like jump onto the car, but he falls short. And he just kind of like bounces off the back of it and gets thrown <laughs> over. It's pretty great. Um, but here come the bus. Um, so the bus that we saw earlier in the movie, which is lovingly decorated, by the way, um, they like park it across the entire road and turn it sideways, basically. And they have people in there launching buzz saws with flamethrowers, none of which make the, none of which hit the mark. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't think a buzz saw is a very accurate projectile, no matter how it's launched. Um, but yeah, we get this big climactic stunt here, where the Bentley, with Soul on top of it, by the way, crashes through the midsection of this bus. And uh, there's a bit of whimsy here in the form of a. There's a fiery explosion, and then Soul's head, a CGI head, flies off the top of the car and actually impacts the lens. <laughs> it's funny because uh, parallels to Fury Road, uh, we kind of had something similar to that in the form of the big climactic crash at the end mm-hmm. of that movie, where, uh, what was it, the guitar or the amplifier goes right up into the camera? The guitar goes into the goes into the camera, I believe. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it kind of works. And in, and in this case, actually, I thought it was cheesy as hell, but then it actually kind of factors into the story a little yeah, bit, it does. <laughs> which is, you know, all is forgiven. It's like it wasn't entirely just, you know, for the sake of the titties. <laughs> like, that head is not a titty. <laughs> but uh, we pull up like only a few hundred feet in front of the wall and a chopper comes down. Um, it has Canaris in it and a whole bunch of soldiers. And uh, we have a back and forth here. And uh, the thing that you need you need to notice that the movie makes sure that you notice is that uh, Rona Mitra turns on her uh, video recorder, which we saw her do at the beginning of the movie. Uh, so this entire exchange with Canaris is being recorded via her magic eyeball. Um, and am I am I right in saying that basically he's offering to to take Doctor Sterling and the girl to like manufacture a vaccine, but she refuses to go with him? Yeah, she's given um, she's given an opportunity to go. But she decides not to. Um, not sure why, uh, other than maybe they wanted to continue her story, uh, like the Road Warrior, basically, because kind of that's what they do. I just realized I've never seen uh, Mad Max. I've only seen the Road Warrior. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen. I mean, I, th- I think that's actually the experience of most people, to like, because the Road Warrior was on like TNT every other weekend. Mm-hmm. Mad Max, though, not so much. Uh, even yeah. Thunderdome gets more play than the, the first Mad Max. Yeah, I'm actually going to have to watch it because I, I just realized I'd never seen it. Um, I mean, I th- Road Warrior is the superior film, but Mad Max is still fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that they were going to try to franchise this because you can keep having the sickness be in other places, like having to deal with the logistics of dealing with the suits and people who are infected. Um, I think they were going to keep going with it. Um but yeah, she just doesn't go with him. And then I guess what she does is she she meets up with... Uh, does she throw the head first or does she meet up with Bob Hoskins first? Bob Hoskins. Yeah, so she meets up with Bob Hoskins, presumably to give him this 
um, the recording that she had with the departed guy. Um, and they have like, oh, you know, you, 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 mirror falls off. Um, and then, uh, cause I mean, nothing's really solved here. Like they just kind of chat. Um, but I guess she's going to go back over to the other side. Uh, the, the, the eye, the eye camera basically brought everything down. Everybody's pissed now because, uh, this guy admits to, uh, holding, uh, I guess withholding the cure and like, uh, I think maybe causing it, if I'm not mistaken. Like they may have caused the. I don't know if he was the cause because the opening narration, Malcolm McDowell seems to be referring to the virus as like a force of nature. Mm. Where it's like like man's hubris and overexpansion gave way to just the world fighting back in some way. And he makes reference to like, it's only inevitable that it'll happen again. Um, I... I want to say that it was just a natural occurrence and it was more having to do with the way the situation was handled, um, where, where his, his evil as a person comes about. But I mean, if it was, if it was manufactured by Canaris or something, I wouldn't be surprised. I just didn't catch that line of dialogue. But yeah, basically she, she brought him down. Yeah, she goes over to the other side and talks to all the marauders. Uh, she just kind of walks up, and they're all just sitting there, like, just standing underneath the bridge, sitting underneath the bridge, waiting for her. And she just, like, throws his head and, like, where's your god now, you fucking losers? Um, and one dude's just like, yeah, man, yeah, you're gonna do stuff with us, I guess, now. I don't know. It's very unclear of what the point was of that. Well, she, uh... She actually repeats a line that was said to her um, when she was breaking out of prison. If you're hungry, try a piece of your friend. Um, So the food that she was served in prison was actually the doctor. Um, But yeah, I think it's implied that she's going to like lead them or something. Because it's like tribal logic where it's like, I I killed the big dog, therefore I am the big dog. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, there's a nice shot here where we get like a, a moonlit dutch angle shot of her standing in the street like with all these people going and then the last shot is a rona mitra smiling which is not a bad way to end your movie yeah (laughs) um and then yeah we get uh contemporary pop music or something closing out the film yeah um so yeah that was uh that was doomsday directed by neil marshall and uh you know i i i didn't expect much from this movie which probably helped going in yeah um but yeah, I, I actually had some legit fun with this one. Yeah. You know, you, you can't put that much hand trauma and head explosions in a movie without pleasing me for, you know, a couple minutes here and there. You got me with cannibals. I like to see, I'm like, what, what are we going to do with cannibals in this movie? I'm curious. Um, it's just always kind of see, like, the different iterations, like Hannibal, uh, uh, Green Inferno, this, Cannibal Holocaust. Um, yeah, this isn't our first cannibal movie either. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a it's kind of a stretch but there's like a couple of shots here and there that kind of reminded me of the uh the silent hill movie um in particular there's an instance where someone is set on fire uh that reminded me a bit of of silent hill Mm. um there's no cannibalism but uh yeah that's that's a movie that has a look to it that, that i appreciate far more than the actual like story or performances or anything i forget have you seen that one mm uh, it's it's one of the better video game adaptations, at least in terms of like audio visual presentation. But like I said, it's not a storytelling masterpiece. It just yeah. looks and sounds nice. Um, 
but yeah this was a fun one and uh, like it makes me want to watch hellboy like yeah. i know it i know it's supposed to be bad but we we've only on this show have done two neil marshall movies both of which i think were entertaining enough i think you and i both agree the descent is like a legit pretty good movie yeah i think the descent's a good movie and it's funny seeing like uh like doing again like five minutes of of research on this one like uh this guy has a thing about knights and walls apparently <laughs> or maybe just the roman empire empire because like this movie deals with the the construction of a wall where where once there was a roman imperial wall uh, i he think he michael fassbender movie yeah centurion. centurion he did centurion which, yeah which is like an adventure beyond the wall essentially but back back in the age of the the roman empire um, and he's done episodes of Game of Thrones, so like he he has a soft spot for I guess like sword and sandal kind of stuff or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like Hellboy is something that like you know whenever it becomes readily available for free, <laughs> I will watch it. Um, I'm not gonna run out and pay even two dollars for it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> and it's probably gonna suck. But you know, I want to say that Neil Marshall is actually a fairly talented director. Not amazingly, but he's competent. Probably. Yeah, he's competent, and he. I, it helps too that I think a lot of the things he seems to like, I I like too, yeah. like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Mad Max, uh, Aliens. Those those are basically my favorite movies too, and it's always fun when you can see that in a director's work where it's like, you know, you're being very blatant about showing where your references are coming from, but I don't mind. Like <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I've seen those movies too. I like those movies too. Um, but that being said, um, Kyle, do you want to tell the folks at home how we're probably going to wrap up this month? Yeah, we're going to be wrapping up with a movie I haven't seen, and I would have liked to have watched it a long time ago if it were easy to get a hold of. Um, uh, George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead, which I'm super excited to watch. Uh, is that 1978? I believe you're right. Yeah, 1978. I've definitely seen the uh, the remake, the 2002-ish remake seen the hell out of that was it zach snyder zach snyder yeah which is actually pretty decent I, I i actually liked that movie when i was younger but yeah i'm excited to see the original it's funny actually i i forgot to mention it while we were recording earlier but um there's that that bit in uh the 40 year old virgin when uh steve carell's having a conversation with his co-worker and the guy's watching a movie that's happening behind him. it's the dawn of the dead the, yeah it's the zack snyder dawn of the dead and he interrupts yeah. him he's like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, I think, it reminded me of when you're talking about like i think it was the first head explosion yeah in this movie. that's what i did yeah <laughs> uh i think we're gonna have a guest on for next week as well yeah uh the plan, unless there's anything that gets in the way, the plan is to have Brad um, from the Cinema Speak podcast on the show. Um, so it'll be a nice uh, three-way conversation. Hopefully, hopefully we can arrange for that to go down um, by the end of this month. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.